We realise that uh, when we do the Tuesday tune-in over on Facebook, um, which we've been doing during lockdown, we had some comments and requests around, um, you know, not everyone's on Facebook, but people still wanted to hear about the content. There's been some great stuff. We've talked about bags. We've talked about battle of the treks. We've talked about trekking boots, mindset, fitness, loads of stuff. And we thought to ourselves, well, why don't we turn these into podcasts? Because like you said, Dave, they're, they're... Sitting down, listening for an hour? Yeah, exactly, yeah. This is a great format. You can do it on the go, put it in your car, listen to it. It's a bit interactive, so you're going to have seen us answer questions and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a bit different. Um, you know, but if you're listening to this, obviously, yeah. um, and you have any questions about any of the things you hear, uh, podcast at evertrack.co.uk. Awesome, Dave. Yeah, enjoy the episode, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Yeah, all the best. In a world where people go trekking, who have questions about trekking, Two people who go trekking are here to answer your questions about trekking. Introducing the Tuesday Tune In, hosted by Andy and Dave. Are we live? No. As far as we know, it's live. Let's check if we're live, mate. Let's check if we're live. Are we live? Live. 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 Tackling subjects such as... Talking about group travel. Charities. Altitude. Flying. Footwear. Vaccination. Fitness. So you can make an informed decision about trips and go into them as prepared as possible. Years of expertise shrouded in top-level banter. Tune in every Tuesday at 12.30-ish. I think I think it's all out, Dave. I think. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Calm down. Too much? Too much. So you got hair there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hey, everybody. How you doing? Um, welcome to another Tuesday tune-in. Just wanted to check uh, that we're all good. Um, just that you can hear us. If you can hear us, do let us know. Do give us a little bit of a thumbs up, uh, a wave, a comment, whatever you do. Um, we'll just have a look and see who's who's on the live. Dave, who's on the live today, mate? Um, so uh, I can. Rise on here, of course. Yeah, he is. Honestly, there's too many people. They're all scrolling up too fast. But Anthony, <laughs> Christian, Angus, Ross, Ellie, Nixon, Callum, Reese. Alicia Laidlaw, Eileen, Kieran, Clark, Leo, Jerome. Dyer. Hello, Jerome. How you doing? Um, great to see you on, mate. Um, who else Ross have we got? we got? Angus Ross. Um, see what I mean? It's a bah, 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 bah. I can't, I can't <laughs> pick a, a name. It's a different setup today. We, really, um, uh, Priscilla, but you disappeared. Ed, Anthony, Anthony Christian, Heather. Of course, Anthony's on it. Yes, 100%. Great stuff. No, it's great to, to have you all here. Um, obviously, look at the numbers. Yeah, slightly busier than normal, but great to, um, to have you on. This is our Tuesday tune-in. It's something we've been doing now for... Uh, since the early part of 2020, yeah. when the word <clears throat> that shall not be named um, was present. Um, but yeah, in the April of 2020, we started doing the Tuesday tune I know a lot of Evertrackers have been uh, part of the community since um, and joining us each week. And we do this every week on different uh, topics, different subjects, yeah. um, lots of different things. Um, uh, and this week, um, obviously, we're going to be talking about Machu Picchu. Um, which is, you know, an awesome trip, and and thanks to everyone as well that's been part of the uh, the Machu Picchu Inca Trail competition. Um, epic amount of entries. Uh, we've had just under twenty three 
thousand people enter, yeah. which is nuts. Um, so thanks to everyone for being so engaged and sharing and commenting. Um, and also hearing some of the stories and, and, and things that you've been sharing as well. Um, so yeah, how it's going to go. <clears throat> we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the trip. Um, we've had a lot of questions in early, um, which we will get to. And thanks so much for, for sending those in. We've had a lot by email. Um, do drop them in the comments as well. Um, uh, some of our yetis um, in, in base camp, just the other side of that wall. Uh, <laughs> base camp is kind of weird, isn't it? It's because we call it base camp. It's not an actual camp. It's just our little office. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the girls are uh, collating all the questions. And then myself and Dave will be able to, to kind of answer those for you. Yeah. Um, also, as well, we have... <laughs> Did Zach just when, steal a... That was, that he was, was like, that's not proper. I'll be honest, that was promotional <clears throat> material, Zach. That was a Cliff Bar wrapper. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, right. you've got to make sure you're adequately fueled both for the mountains and the Tuesday tune-in. They both require an equal amount of energy. Exactly, exactly. Um, but no, uh, absolutely great. So we'll be, um, yeah, we'll be talking about the trip. We'll do the uh, winner announcement um, probably about halfway through. That's generally how we normally do it. Um, now, we, we did try, a few months ago, we did um, uh, a Kilimanjaro competition, and we did call someone. So, uh, keep the phones at the ready, because we're going to yeah. do that the same. We're going to call um, uh, the person, the winner. Um, so, definitely uh, get your phones at the ready. We just want to clarify, we, we tried to call someone. We did try to call, and it went to voicemail, voicemail which was quite funny. Yeah, um, but he was a teacher. Oh yes, I remember now. Didn't want to interrupt the lesson, and you know that is de- that is a passionate teacher. Looking there. after the future. That's yeah. what he was doing. Exactly, exactly. So very, you know, we'll we'll obviously reach out to you, and um, as I am doing this because I'm really organised, um, I don't always have the numbers to hand. So <laughs> nice, nice. So um, yeah, so, so well, that's me uh, so, so. trying to find the number. But anyway, that's half hour's time. So we got half hour for me to play around with the laptop whilst doing the live to but find the spreadsheet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, but awesome. Machu Picchu. Yeah, Dave, Machu, I mean, it's, it's become... Re- wow. <laughs> Let's start off a little bit of humour. Yeah, yeah. Um, with, with the trip, though, Machu Picchu, especially the Inca Trail, because I think it's one thing that, that we always want to do, is run trips that, you know, they're, they're, they're challenging, but they're also um, some a little bit different. Um, we did launch a, uh, a new trip uh, in, in, uh, in Peru to Machu Picchu, a new route, uh, which we also do toward the, called the Tomacare, yeah. which has been really popular over the last uh, few years, you know, because we did launch it in 2020, not yeah. the greatest time to launch it. But we've had heaps of groups go on that, and we've had some groups as well go on the Inca Trail, because we started also doing the Inca Trail, which is, um, you know, obviously, you know, very famous. Um, for obvious region, uh, reasons, I'll get my words out obvious regions, yeah. It is an obvious region. <laughs> the Inca Trail is the one you've probably wow. most likely heard of. Yes, and it um, is, and, and for good reason as well, because it, it is the most popular. It's not that busy having trekked on it. It's, um, you know, some people say, oh, don't go on the Inca Trail, it's too busy. But actually, when I was there, um, last time I was there was in September uh, last year. Uh, so, yeah, about a year ago almost. And, yeah, it was fine. Um, you know, you see groups of people. Which is great, you know, you get to sort of experience that kind of dynamic. But um, yeah, it wasn't like the M4 or the M25 or anything. It was um, similar, I'd say, to like Everest Base Camp or Kilimanjaro. Um, you know, it's, it is a popular um, kind of trip. And especially when you get to Machu Picchu, um, <clears throat> it's kind of staggered. So uh, there's not like hundreds and hundreds of people in Machu Picchu at any one time. That they, they are quite, they do limit the amount of... Um, people, the amount of permits. Yeah. Um, so that's why with us, we do tend to kind of get our trips booked quite far in advance, 
just to make sure there's no kind of permit issues. Yeah. So we make sure that our customers can get to uh, Machu Picchu, which is, you know, what we what is is an absolutely amazing place. Yeah. Um, but right, I'm still fishing for the number, Dave, but uh, <laughs> which I will find in a minute. But anyway, um, Lima, which is the start of the trip. Um, Lima itself, absolutely fantastic place. Um, we, we tend to spend uh, just a short time there because we want to get to the mountains. Uh, you know, that's what we're there for, right? We want to get to, um, we want to get to kind of Cusco. We want to enjoy the uh, the mountains. We want to get high in the yeah. altitude form. In Lima. <laughs> Not quite in Lima. Yeah. Um, yeah. You want to get to Cusco because Cusco is an awesome place. Yeah. No, yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, one of the things that I think is amazing about Machu Picchu is, yeah. and the reason why I think it often sits at the top of most people's bucket list is yeah. not just because that it's an awesome adventure, that the fact you get to trek at high altitude, <laughs> you get to go to a remote part of the world, but also the historical factor as well. I think, you know, the actual ruins of Machu Picchu, yeah. I kind of, you know, I mean, how old are they now? Some thousands of years? Yeah, almost a thousand years old, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it's, it's a crazy story as well around them. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. Um, and I think that's probably why it sits at the top as well, because yeah. it gives you that extra little special sort of reason to go there. And I, I've said this a few times, but one of the reasons that make a trek an awesome experience, <clears throat> even back here in the UK, if you're doing training, if you have a goal or like a challenge or a purpose for being out there other yeah. than just training, yeah. it, I don't know why, it makes it fascinating. Yeah. It's like, I remember when we first went to find this old crashed bomber, um, in the Brecon Beacons. Yeah, which and, was epic, wasn't And it? it was an epic hike. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I kind of felt, I don't know, you get that true sense of adventure almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we weren't the first to discover it. it. It was well known, but we kind of didn't know exactly where it was. So we kind yeah. of fanned out. It was an amazing experience. I mean, time's up by like a thousand. Yeah. And you're getting close to what it must be <clears> like <throat> to walk into the ruins of Machu Picchu and this ancient civilization that existed way, way before our civilization. So fascinating yeah it's pretty nuts as well because you know when you are kind of following in the footsteps of, of, of you know obviously people that have found it um, you know and the history that goes before it, it it is it does have that kind of feeling now you know I'm not a spiritual person as such but when you're there you do feel like there's kind of like an energy to the place yeah um, you know it's hard to describe it's I suppose you know that that's the mountains for you know they, they do give you that kind of feeling yeah um like with evertrek we we started running trips in nepal um back uh, several years ago now uh, to everest base camp which is what you know, obviously where the name comes from evertrek everest trekking you know it, that's where we started and we had lots of customers who uh, were going there enjoying the journey and then we've kind of expanded um you know our, our, our kind of trips that we do and when we first went to to south america um you know okay you're following another footsteps but um it doesn't mean it's any less kind of awesome it's it's still fantastic when you're yeah. there and you know the, the Inca Trail itself is actually quite challenging um, you know when people talk about Machu Picchu they think it's easy um, but any time you're trekking at altitude is is a challenge and, yeah you know with um, the the Inca Trail you know you do go over 4,300 meters uh, over a pass called Dead Woman's Pass um, do you know no, the story about Dead Woman? No, I don't. I was going to say, did you meet the woman? Yeah, no, no, but um, <laughs> I, need, I need to find that out. I know, we need to research why it's yeah, called yeah. I, I didn't ask, actually, at the time, but yeah. I'd like to I'd, I'd love to, to know why it's called Dead Woman's I mean, I hope it's an ancient story and not, like, yeah, back in 95. I was going to say, we want, yeah, we want to, <laughs> you know. I think it is an ancient story, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's certainly, I mean, there's names like that all around the world. Like, we do the Tour de Mont Blanc, and there's one called Ferret Pass. Yeah. There's always these kind of interesting names. Um, you know, there's always a little story that goes with it. So yeah, anyone knows why it's called that? 
yeah. without the obvious, because there was a dead woman, potentially. Um, you know, let us know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to, to hear from that. And it's great to see the comments as well. Andy Howie, great to see you here. <clears throat> uh, Claire Carr, doing Killy, 9th September. Machu Picchu was next on your list. Awesome. Kathy, um, we're hoping to go next year. Yeah, it's great. Seems some lovely comments here. <clears throat> Excuse me. I found out why. Oh, okay. The Explain. To, the topography of the mountain range that you're actually walking by right. gives the silhouette of a woman lying on her yeah, back. Interesting. So it's not. It didn't There's actually... a photo of it by there, you see, and it kind of works. Why didn't I remember that? I, I see what you mean there. That's quite. That'd be interesting. I think if anyone gives it a bit of a Google, um, yeah, you'd yeah. be able to see. But yeah, or when you go into the trip yourself. Uh, if you can hear any noises, by the way, there's a train track just over there. Yeah. Apologies. I mean, to be honest, we timed that to come by just as we were talking on the live. So they could be like, yeah, Machu Picchu, yeah. <laughs> so um, here yeah. we go. It's, it's clearly people who might have been there before. Thanks, Kim. Uh, thank you for uh, Silhouettes of the Mountain. Great stuff. Um, yeah, thanks for uh, sharing your knowledge with us because it, it yeah. is really interesting, this kind of stuff, right? Um, but yeah, when, when you go to on the track, Obviously, you've got like a, a four-day trek um, before you get to the top of Machu Picchu. Um, and you come through a little area called the Sun Gate. Um, now, the Sun Gate is uh, essentially, <clears throat> if you can get there kind of the time of day, um, you know, the sun passes um, and it kind of reaches an area where it's absolutely fantastic. Um, the views, it's kind of that classic shot looking down into Machu Picchu. It's it's really beautiful place. Um, and then as you drop down and you, and you get to go into the actual citadel itself, um, yeah, nothing quite like that feeling. It's certainly a special place. It's quite big as well. You forget how big yeah. it actually is because you've got um, you've got the area that you can you kind of where people live, and then uh, you know your guide and and will we'll, we'll explain this to you. But they'll walk you through the different areas of of what goes on. Um, also as well, and on some of our trips, <clears throat> um, if people know and let us know in advance, we can actually get the permits to climb Huayna Picchu, um, which essentially is, if you if you ever seen the picture of Machu Picchu and you see the, there's like a peak or like a little bit of a mountain, um, that was actually um, the Incans uh, observatory. Uh, so the Incans were stargazers. <clears throat> they absolutely loved to do that on clear nights. And the steps that lead up to, up to that would, was where they used to kind of map the stars, um, which is really fascinating, actually. You know, yeah, I think they yeah. used to do that, like, you know, obviously a long time ago. Well, it informed a lot of their information, didn't it, in terms yeah, of, like, yeah. where they built things, you know, their, yeah. their, their calendars and everything like that was all informed by that yeah. type of thing. So, yeah. yeah, fascinating. I love the idea of that, like, that ancient civilization, you know, yeah. like the, the really Incans cool. and all of that. Like, I think the, the history in South America is fascinating, you know, with the pyramids and everything like that. It's, um, it's quite brutal, though. Like, yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you've only got to watch, um, what was it, Apocalypto? Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah, to yeah. find out, um, yeah, it was quite a brutal uh, brutal way of life. I mean, Very one much. of the things that I think is amazing, and I could be yeah, yeah. I could be wrong here, but this is a little aside, was they find lots of these, um, like, almost perfectly preserved mummies. Yeah. Um, which were sort of um, young, maybe priestesses and stuff like that, that were sort of sacrificed. Okay. And um, if you look up there, some of the most well-preserved, like braided hair, you can still see what oh, they wow. look like. They're not like the Egyptian <coughs> mummies, you know, that yeah, are yeah. like completely, um, you know, almost like degraded. These are like yeah. this. They could have been buried like a month ago. That's nuts, isn't it? It's, uh, it's amazing. Because they, they've kept them out of the out of the air, essentially. Yeah, because they, yeah. they were so high in the mountain air. Yeah. And it's so dry up there and so cold yeah. that essentially it, like, it preserves. I mean, yeah, all that history is just absolutely fascinating. Exactly. And it's all there. 
It's great as well. It's nice to, to hear everyone's knowledge because you obviously got John there, John Cahill. Thanks, mate. Uh, the temples are set out so they resemble the constellations in the sky. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's certainly some there, isn't it? And w the brutalness of it is, is is nuts. When I was in Cusco, um, you know, and you, and you hear about you know how it currently is, and there's a lot of you can see the conflict there between the different kind of religions. And uh, when Christianity, um, you know, was there in I think it was the 14th or 15th century, and the conquistadors went over there and there was it was mad that I think there was only about two to three hundred conquistadors actually took over the entire Incan dynasty, which is nuts, you know. And and, and there's thousands and thousands of Incans, but technology, see, yeah, because of the I mean, because because of the almost manipulation of the people, yeah. they were able to overthrow the kind of um, you know, the well, Incans itself. It's quite fascinating, actually. Not to not to go deep into the history now, because I'll say that no, trip. but that <laughs> that type of thing is fascinating. You know, yeah. when you have a, a um, a remote civilization that's largely yeah. untouched. I mean, they have they don't have immunities to certain diseases that were brought over. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. Um, and uh, also, you know, when you introduce things like you know alcohol and yeah. tobacco and things like that, before you know it, it does start to you know you can unravel a society pretty quickly. But um, all of that uh, history there is amazing. But I want to <laughs> what I want to stick to the. Um, the trail for the meantime. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aside from Machu Picchu, what would yeah. you say is the highlight of the Inca Trail mm. itself? I quite like... It, it's typical because it's not necessarily the trail, but I quite like the train journey. Brilliant. <laughs> it's quite Brilliant. nice. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it's quite cool. Yeah. But no, no, stick into the trail. Um, there's a... The first... Uh, I think it's called Lactapata, which is actually one of the... Um, it's basically this high area and you could look down. It was actually... Almost just as important as Machu Picchu, but got destroyed because it was closer to the roads. Yeah, um, it kind of got exploited, and, and all the rocks got kind of got taken away by yeah. um, uh, by the conquistadors. And essentially, uh, that was where the they kind of lived outside of Machu Picchu. Okay. Machu Picchu was actually for the royals. Oh, really? Yeah, um, it was really interesting. Um, really interesting history. Yeah. So yeah, Lactapata was really cool because of the views from it. Because it's it's perched quite high. You got a bunch of steps to kind of go up to it. And then you kind of you got this really good vantage point looking yeah. down. So Machu Picchu is <clears throat> essentially there for sort of high society. It was for the it was the, the house of the royals. The house of the royals yeah. essentially. And then in the surrounding village like Lacta Lactapata, yeah, was, that was, uh, one of the was the just, just the general population yeah. used to be there. Um, and I forget. There's there's a lot of different names now uh, for this, and it's all essentially uh, the Incans used to used to speak. They call it Quechua. Um, which is still a local di dialect for mm. actually quite a lot of the, the locals. I've got a quetcher fleece. I know, they, yeah, it's quite interesting. Mm. I, I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. Touch my equipment. Um, but quetcher, yeah, is, was actually the, um, one of the languages spoke by uh, mountain guides as well. Um, so all of our guides speak that, um, speak that language if they're from the area. Yeah. Um, and that was the language of the Incans. So it's quite cool that that language has survived uh, even after all this time. Um, so yeah, re really fascinating. I hope I'm just sowing the seed, really, of, of the kind of what this trek is about. Because yeah. lots of our treks are hard, challenging. You know, they're glacial. They're in the mountains. They're rugged. Um, with Machu Picchu, it, it is a trek about the history. Um, you know, which if you're into that, it's awesome, um, and you will learn a lot about it. You know, <laughs> it's quite interesting when we when we come back. You almost like. Um, we viewed our guide as like the rock whisper, you know, because rock he was whisper. like he was almost talking to the stones yeah. because he was conveying the history. But you know, and let's not be disrespectful. It's just you know a bit of banter, right? It's all good. Um, and yeah, with, with that we were kind of joking and laughing. But yeah, the history means a lot to them. Amazing. Um, it's important, and 
I'm just enjoying Natalie's Gone. comment there. Always wanted to go since watching The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, I remember that. That's, that's, one, one, of my, years. that's one of my favourite yeah, Disney. Yeah. And you know what? I'm not a big yeah. Disney guy, but I like the no touchy. You know, that's what he says. I can't remember. That's oh, amazing, yeah. Really? It's just a kind of like spoiled little brat and he gets turned <laughs> into a llama. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's a, honestly, it's one of the best. Brilliant. Yeah. Talking really about llamas, you, you, do, you do see those all, and alpacas. Although, I have to be honest, when you're on the trek, you kind of struggle to, to actually um, decipher between the two. What's the difference between an alpaca and a llama? This isn't a joke, by the way. So I, I, okay, I'm not an expert. Okay. I don't, I couldn't even tell you <clears throat> which attributes are attributed to which. Okay. But one of them, I think, is got a big square head like a teddy bear and is like really fluffy. Yeah, yeah. And the other yeah, one yeah. looks more like a kind of miniature camel. <laughs> <laughs> so you might be on something there. I, I, think, uh, the, I think the alpaca yeah. is the teddy bear. Yes. And I think the miniature camel is the llama. Yeah, I think you're pretty much right. I, and by the way, the BBC, if you need anyone to replace that ever eventually... <laughs> <laughs> he's irreplaceable. He's irreplaceable. But no, it's uh, if anyone does know the actual uh, differentiation between those two, because um, it's very hard to tell. Um, yeah, let us know. Yeah. <laughs> it's always interesting because obviously we're, we're, we're talking about the mountains and you know we're, we're, we're specialists in, in high mount, uh, high altitude trekking and the mountains. But when it comes to alpacas and llamas, we're, we're not quite there yet with our knowledge. No, I but did, it'd be, be interesting. I did a walk with one once. Here we go, Sheena. Llamas have got the long. Oh, I literally that the, the comments went. Uh, got the longer neck. No, that's uh, don't gi- forget that's giraffes. That's Africa. Yeah, but I, I think she is right. They are <laughs> slightly, <laughs> longer, slightly longer. Well, they, potentially, yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember one time I did a walk, a five k walk, and you got to like walk, lead one around. Okay. They're quite. Um, my one was quite a cantankerous animal. If I'm okay. honest with you. He, did, he, did, he couldn't be bothered to do the walk. <laughs> <laughs> well, what well, if you want to? But anyway, yeah. the um, one of the reasons I mention it is that on the we're doing a climatization day um, whilst around Cusco, um, and we go to uh, a little area called uh, it's called Husca Cuch- Husca Cusco. Basically, it's uh, it means like um, a little Cusco, and it's absolutely a re- it's quite a tough day actually. If you do go over um, uh, four thousand four hundred meters. But with all of our trips, we build into what we call hike high, sleep low. Uh, makes helps you acclimatize. Um, so when you're at Cusco, and you will spend a few days there, you're about 3,300 meters. Really cool place. Um, great food as well. This food will surprise you if you're brave. And I probably recommend maybe doing this after the trek. Um, and uh, you don't want to, if, if you've got kids, please look away now. Um, but yeah, they do, you can eat um, guinea pig. Which is, um, you know... Did you try it? No, because I, I had to leave a day early. I didn't oh, want to eat yeah. it before going on the trek. Because well, yeah. stomach, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's wise, wise. Um, uh, but a few people did. And yeah, if give it a go. Let us know. If, if you had it, let us know. How I've was it? It's was not it tasty? Great. No? Yeah. It's a delicacy. Though, One of the guys had it in Ecuador. Peru. One of our customers had it in Ecuador. Okay. When I asked him, he said... Wasn't a big fan. Prefer chicken. The locals love it, though. Yeah, the locals yeah. absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, I've got a daughter, Ellie, who's 10, and I, I didn't tell her about these things, but um, she knows. She, she knows in certain countries that, yeah. unfortunately, guinea pigs are on the menu. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is a bit sad. You know, you see these little animals on a spit, and you're like, oh, you feel a bit bad. But anyway, go for it. Why not? You're in, you know, if you're there for, um, you know, to, to experience the local cuisine, there we go. Yeah. Apparently, you know, you know. apparently, you can eat fried tarantula. Ooh, that sounds, now that sounds interesting. I, a bit hairy for me. If someone brought 
fried tarantula, that's when the fight would break out. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> the the plate would get flipped off. Zach, would you eat fried tarantula? No, no way. No yeah. way. <laughs> Sorry, Zach's behind the camera there, just making sure everything. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't, don't fancy a bit of fried tarantula, Zach? Maybe just the leg, maybe? I, well, maybe I'd try a leg. Yeah. A leg. <laughs> but that's it. But not, not the, uh, what do they call it? It's not the abdomen, is it? Is it the abdomen? Yeah, it is, yeah. Would you it's eat that? Would you uh, buy, you'd eat it, wouldn't you? you I'd eat it, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've eaten pretty much anything. Absolutely. Um, I like Matt um, has said that it tastes like ferret. <laughs> Does anyone know what ferret tastes like? <laughs> I was going to say, that's like not his... a normal tasting thing, right? Is that, if we're going on flavours here, that's uh, yeah, a little different. Hamster sandwich, Stephen. Uh, por- uh, uh, sorry, uh, Alicia there with a little sick emoji. Apologies if we're uh, we're getting into some lovely food talk. I know, yeah, some people um, might not... Um, <laughs> Yeah, some vegetarians Grim, and Holly, vegans might have turned off. <laughs> Kentucky Fried, oh, nice. Um, but anyway, talking about Cusco, and going back to what I was talking about uh, before we got on to um, guinea pigs, um, was about, yeah, Husca Cusco, so Little Cusco, is a really good acclimatization hike. It, it does take about seven hours, um, and you, know, you will feel tired after it, but it'll give you a lot of benefits then. When you're hiking over, we talked about Dead Women's Pass. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get to um, you know, some of the, the, the high points of the trek, it will assist you in the acclimatization. So that's something that's kind of a little bit different um, that we like to, to kind of bring into these things because altitude, you know, it can be challenging. Less oxygen does put pressure on the body, but that's, that's kind of where we're at. We, we are yeah. specialists in helping people at high altitude uh, and succeeding. I've actually heard in South America, yeah. um, a lot of the locals carry like a gourd around their neck. Okay. And in that gourd, there's yeah. leaves that are stuffed in from a local plant. Oh, what is that local plant? Um, I think it's the coca plant. It is the coca plant. And if you chew those leaves, <laughs> apparently it's very good for altitude sickness. It is. Um, I remember uh, I met a guy who was eating them and yeah. um, he couldn't stop talking. Oh, really? Yeah, no, he, was, wow. he just wouldn't stop talking. He was eating these leaves, and then he was telling me, yeah, the thing is about Machu Picchu, it's actually really good. I really enjoy going up there. My thing is with the altitude, actually, but when you get there, you take these things. Okay, so it's a little bit, yeah, yeah. Um, Holly Sturk, how's the acclimatization and altitude with controlled asthma? I'll come on to that, Holly. Um, definitely, we'll, we'll, we'll take on these questions um, for you in about five, ten minutes. Um, so we're getting close to the winner announcement now. I know we're talking about Machu Picchu here, just to give you a little bit of a taster. Um, but yeah, we, we will um, come on to that question because a fellow asthmatic here. So I will let you know uh, how it went and, and also about our advice to asthmatics because it's quite yeah. important. Want you to feel um, comfortable. Um, <clears throat> but what you're talking about there uh, about coca leaves actually, uh, you know, it's used quite a lot in mm. Peru, um, especially in the mountains. All the locals um, tend to use it or they tend to have it in their tea. It's actually really good. Um, at different times of the day, they, they, you know, it's it's all legal out there. It's all fine. It's obviously not the refined stuff, which is illegal. Uh, <laughs> refined uh, coca. <laughs> that's what they do, right? I don't know the process, but <laughs> it's. Um, I've seen I've seen narcos. I suppose yeah, we've yeah. seen a bit of narcos yeah over the time. Um, but yeah, it is is used. And actually, I've had some of the tea. I've had some leaves, and it you know can't say it helped because you kind of as long as you're hydrating, you're looking after yourself, and you're going slow, mm. should be okay. Um, all going well at altitude. But yeah, it was quite quite a nice tea actually. Yeah, I would one hundred percent. I would one hundred percent try it. Like yeah. you say, not the not the refined stuff. But um, <laughs> I love Alison there. Apart from eating guinea pigs and tarantulas, the trip does sound amazing. Exactly. Yeah, awesome. and see, it's great. Just to be careful, they are options. You know, you don't have to. They're not compulsory. <laughs> um, if I went on a trip and someone tried to force feed me a tarantula, I, I would just start windmilling <laughs> <laughs> to get that away. Um, but no, some great comments. That, thanks for be, for being so engaged as well. I know we're talking about um, 
Uh, a lot of different things here that we don't normally talk about. Guinea pigs, tarantulas. Um, Refine, coca. Refined coca yeah, plants. Refined coca plants. We, we don't normally talk about that stuff on Tuesday tune-ins, but what the heck. Yeah. Um, you know, if everyone's thinking it, so let's talk about it. Hey, Evertrekkers, how you doing? Sorry to jump into this awesome episode that you'll be listening to, but I wanted to see if you could do us a huge favour and vote for us at the next British Travel Awards. Um, I'll put the link in the show notes, um, which is bit.ly forward slash vote for Evertrek 2023. That's 2023. Um, Get on there. Uh, We're hoping to win the best uh, travel company for adventure holidays. Um, Would be epic if you could vote for us. Um, you know, it's been a mad couple of years, but uh, mean a lot to us because it's voted for by our Evertrekkers. Um, so yeah, if you could vote for us this year, um, it, the awards are in November um, this year, and hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll win. Um, anyway, I'll let you get back to the podcast, and I'll chat to you soon. Bye. But right with the competition, I feel like we're kind of getting there because normally we do it at about half hour in, and we're two minutes from that. So I think we, we've, there's a lot of questions. I want to get these questions answered. So once we do the winner announcement. Um, which we're going to call that person as well. So I hope all of you have got your um, uh, your phones at the ready. Uh, going to put it on loudspeaker. So hopefully the audio can come through. Um, if you do answer, hopefully there's no swearing, but mm. I can't blame you if you do. Um, you know, anything, <laughs> anytime you win, I think all of us would be like, oh my God, you know, it's, it's, um, it's quite a nice feeling to, to win these. And if you do win, um, obviously we'll be reaching out to you after the live as well, um, uh, obviously to, to see who you're going to bring with you. Yep. Um, but good luck. It's, um, it's been a fantastic couple of weeks, um, obviously for everyone that entered the, uh, the, the Machu Picchu competition. Yep. Um, Dave, I'll tell you what I'll do. I am going to... Because I've got the number ready now. Yeah, well, I'm going to... I'm gonna and go, you've got it over uh, there, I'm right? Gonna, I'm going to get so the board. You're going to get the board. So you've got a board with the name is written on there. So we're going we're gonna to tease with that one. Well, it's, although we're kind of technological now with our setup... Usually. There's traditions. <laughs> you know? And, uh, there are traditions, uh, yeah, exactly. It's all right, I'll get it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> right, 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 okay, right. But I'm hiding it, don't worry. I'm hiding it. Yeah. Is this flipped, by the way? Is this going to read right when I hold it up? Yeah, it looks. It's all good on the screen. Oh, okay, yeah, so we're, we're not Katrine. Yeah, it should be fine. <laughs> <laughs> it should be fine. Let me just check. We got the right person. Yeah, right. We, we, we have wrong, to check. What happens have... if we call the wrong person? We can't revoke the prize. We have to just give. No, it no, away no exactly. This is, <laughs> it is the way it is. But I hope I got the right number here. Unless somebody has put in the wrong number, I'm going to check. Right. So let's do this thing. Hopefully, please answer, because. Um, we had a good voicemail last time, right? I'm gonna let's have a look, Dave. Okay. Oh, this is tense, isn't it? Should we hold it close to the mic? Yeah. It's not gonna happen. If if this is you, answer the telephone. Hello. Oh, hello. Is is that Nelly? Hello. Nelly, how you doing? Hi, I'm good, thank you. Oh, great. Okay, it's Andy and Dave from Evertrek. How's it going? Oh, hi, hi. Yeah, all right, all right. Wonderful, hi. wonderful. Um, yeah, a little bit of a surprise, but we're on the Tuesday tune-in, and um, we noticed that you entered the um, Machu Picchu competition. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just wanted to let you know, actually, that um, you're going to Machu Picchu, mate. I'm sorry? <laughs> you've, um, you've won uh, two places to uh, Machu Picchu. Oh, no. Congratulations, Nelly! <laughs> I can't believe it. 
Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, great stuff, great. Sorry to jump in and surprise you like this. We uh, we wanted yeah, to just. <laughs> oh, no worries. Well, how, how do you? How are you feeling? Oh, shocked! <laughs> you feel like a winner, Nelly. That's what you feel like. She I feels like a winner. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, um, massive congratulations! Yeah, we we, ju- we just announced it live on the Tuesday tune-in. So, um, your name is on the board. I don't know if you uh, if if you're on no, Facebook. I didn't check it yet. Oh, that's okay. No worries. Well, look, we'll we'll, we'll reach out to you after the um, after we're finished. Um, but we just wanted to uh, wish you a huge congratulations and. Um, Obviously, thanks for for being a, a, an awesome uh, ever trekker as well. And yeah, we'll um, we'll be in touch about when when you can go to Machu Picchu. Mm-hmm. Okay, brilliant. Look forward to hear from you again. And thank you so so much. No worries. All right, we'll chat to you soon. Thanks, Nelly. Okay, take care. Bye. Well, that was fun. Wasn't that? that was amazing. <laughs> and she answered. And she answered first time. Uh, yeah. Now, huge congratulations to Nelly. Um, now, uh, to everyone else, um, you know, it, it is obviously 20, 23,000 people. It's hard to, to reward everyone, but we will be in touch mm. after because um, we do have some runner-up prizes um, that we like to kind of uh, give out um, for people who've entered. So do keep an eye on your emails over the next hour or so. Um, obviously with uh, Machu Picchu and if you are interested you know we do have two different options to uh, to go to Machu Picchu and it is a, um, a fantastic trip um, but what we'll do now we're going to take on some of these questions because we've got a lot yep. here and I want to get them answered I know there's not all of them about Peru some about trekking some about altitude so Dave let, let, let's, let's take on those but yeah, yeah that, was, so that, that was interesting first one uh, <laughs> Alicia Wiseman you've actually answered what's your favourite section of the Inca Trail you've already said mm. that so Monica has yeah. said um, which is your favourite trip that you organise um, unfortunately she won't be able to join the live as she'll be flying back from adventures in Kazakhstan oh, and Kurdistan that sounds awesome um, that's yeah. amazing yeah, yeah. wow favourite trip that we organise is really difficult it's like trying <sighs> it's to choose a, a favourite amongst your children <laughs> But as most people know, you do secretly have a favourite. Yeah. And I think it'd have to be my firstborn, Everest Base Camp. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. We just did a training weekend um, in the Banai Brokenyog, uh, in the Brecon Beacons, um, here, in, uh, here in Wales. Uh, this weekend, just gone. Um, we do have some spaces uh, on the October one. Um, I think whoever, uh, whichever Yeti is listening, do drop the link in. Um, we do have some spaces if you wanted to come on that, by the way. And we were asked that exact question, you I know, what was your favourite trip? I think they're all watching it, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, and, and this came up. Um, it, because of where we started, like, essentially Evertrek was started when um, I went out to Nepal, came back, and wanted to help people uh, go to Nepal and also help Nepal itself. And it's kind of expanded from there, really. Um, but Everest Base Camp was the first trek that we did um, and a big influence so yeah and because of the journey of it we love it but that doesn't mean any of the others like Dave said it is like choosing your children well yeah Um, I mean I wouldn't want anything bad to happen to any of them yeah but if I had to live on an island with just one of my children (laughs) it would be Everest Base Camp brilliant brilliant. you know Um, but you know I mean that's like gun to my head it is I'd rather you not put the gun to my head and I can just tell you that I love them all equally yeah um, yeah, but yeah, What's, so you, you go on EBC as well? EBC. Yeah. EBC. EBC. I, I, Sack. Love it. Tupacal. 
obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good man. Zach's, um, Zach's a Tupcal specialist, by the way. So if anyone needs any questions about Mount Tupcal he's done it twice. or wants like a travel partner, he's available. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, next question. Joe. Um, uh, sorry, not Joe. Uh, sorry, I've skipped ahead there. Yes, there is Joe. Uh, is it okay to use sterling or euro when arriving at Kathmandu Airport? So we're talking about Nepal. Any references I've seen a quote in US dollars? Yeah, um, Joe, whenever you go there, um, a lot of people just take their bank card and draw it out the ATM. Um, they, they can take US dollars. What I would say is that those US dollars, you, you need to exchange into uh, Nepalese rupee. So instead of doing it twice, like if, obviously from, from the UK, you know, sterling to dollars and dollars to Shirley. Shirley? Shirley. Sterling. Why are you paying Shirley? <laughs> Surely not. <laughs> um, you may as well just do it once. Otherwise, you, 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 you're losing out on a few pounds by doing it twice. So I just take pounds um, or just withdraw out ATMs. Um, you know, there's, uh, it, it is, yeah, it can be frustrating. If you are arriving um, uh, and getting like an entrance visa, um, yeah, do have some cash on you as well. Um, just so you can, I think it's 40 US dollars. It has so, to be dollars as has well. has to be dollars. Um, yeah. they, they, they have done it before in other currencies, but just as you're going through there, it's a lot easier if you do have some dollars. So small, uh, you know, 40 US dollars to get that visa. Yeah. Good question, though. Awesome. Um, Lucy, Lucy B, B has yeah. said, uh, yeah. my questions are, do we get a kit list before the trip yeah. so we know what to bring and how the meals work? Mm-hmm. 100%. So we, um, there's two things there. So the kit list wouldn't necessarily give you the information on meals, yeah. but the good news is that we can. Um, also, um, when you book onto a trip, you'll get an amazing planner. There's loads of information in that as well. You can download a guide from our website, yeah. um, which will give you a lot of information. But also, if you have anything specific, pick up the phone, send an email, talk to the Yetis, and um, they'll give you the expert advice so you'll know exactly what to bring, exactly what you'll be eating, where you're going, and how you're going to get there. Nice. Um, Kerry Underwood. Uh, Hey, Kerry, how you doing? How hard walking trail is it? Um, I do the Malvins, Brecon Beacons often, so is it a similar trek or is it a harder trail? So, yeah, actually, from a trekking perspective, from a walking perspective, it's relatively easy. Um, You know, they're quite well-trodden trails, um, you know, they're well maintained, they're looked after, there's no kind of scouring of, of kind of the sides of peaks or anything um, on the Inca Trail. Um, but the obvious one is just the altitude. Um, now, when you're thinking about altitude, it's, you know, it does slow you down, you know, your body does need time to adjust, but that's why we, we kind of go the route that we do, um, you know, uh, on the Inca Trail and also the Tomakea route that we do as well, um, just so it's good for your body and good for your acclimatization. It just means that. You know, our altitude, you don't need to be, don't feel like you need to be Wonder Woman here. You know, the, the fitter you are, the easier it will be. Um, you know, but we've had all different types of fitnesses and shapes and sizes on our treks. Like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, if you're out there and you're walking in the Malvins, Brecon Beacons already, then you probably probably already got that base level of fitness. Um, obviously, you know, the more you can do, the more you're just, just going to enjoy it. So, yeah, I, yeah. Kerry, um, you know, if, if it's on your list and you really want to do it, um, yeah, we'd love to, to help you on that journey, definitely. Awesome. Uh, Monique has said, uh, can I ask a question? Yes. The question yeah. is, could you tell me a bit about what a normal trekking day looks like? How many breaks would there be? Okay. Do we wait regularly for slow walkers to catch up? Yeah. Will there be a guide at the rear? You just want to get a feel for the treks um, when you are not in command of your own time. So yeah, on pretty much all of our treks, they follow a similar sort of feel. So you wake up, you get everything ready. Once you're all ready and packed and ready to walk, you'll go down um, and have breakfast. Um, After breakfast, you start the trek. 
Generally speaking, there's always a head guide, um, at least one or maybe two or maybe three assistant guides, depending on the size of the group, yeah. and then porters um, or animals, depending on how we're actually transporting the bulk of the gear. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so naturally, the, the, the people do move like a caterpillar up and down the mountain. So. <laughs> We have regular breaks. They're not sort of. Um, we do. We do stop for lunch, which is scheduled scheduled in. All yeah. the other breaks are like any normal walking day. If you're a bit out of breath, or you're a bit tired, or you want to stop and have a drink, then you yeah. just stop, take five, take some pictures, have a drink, and then carry on again. You know, there's no rigidity to how you're forced to move. Um, there is always someone at the back as well, making yeah. sure that no one's left behind. Um, and yeah, we we generally stop, and then we'll, the the group will come together. Um, it's not as bad as it is sometimes in the UK where the group can get really stretched out because when you trek at altitude, you want to trek quite slowly anyway. Yeah. Um, so everyone's trekking within themselves, nice steady pace with the acclimatise well. Um, yeah, and then once you have um, stopped for lunch, then you'll carry on and go to the final destination. And usually everyone sort of arrives within about an hour of each other. Yeah. Um, m- most days you'll arrive more or less together. Um, yeah, hopefully that helps. Awesome. Uh, Eileen, um, Eileen Kieran clark when is the best month to go to Machu Picchu? Yeah, really good question. Um, generally, uh, it's kind of the, the central parts of the year, really. So you're looking, um, you know, and, and we have dates on these times. So you're looking anywhere between sort of May, June. Um, then you've got kind of August and September there, the kind of two best months. Um, and obviously the earlier you get, so May uh, and then the end of September, they're kind of quietest periods of time. Um, you know, but any time you go there is, is fantastic. I've been there um, in September. It was really good. The weather was great. We did have a little bit of snow, actually, because I, um, I was actually doing part of the Tomakea route. Um, and, yeah, we woke up to six inches of snow, which is pretty nuts. Uh, you know, you think South America and Machu Picchu, and it doesn't scream snow. <laughs> but, you know, I suppose that's the mountains. That's the weather. It can happen anywhere, right? Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, those are the kind of best months to, to go if you're going to go to either the Tomakea or the Inca Trail. Awesome. Um, yeah, very. Whatever time you go, you'll love it, mate. Um, Matt, um, how yeah. fit do you need to be to trek at over four thousand feet? Uh, feet, not very fit at all. Meters. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I bet that's what you meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, meters. So generally speaking, it's different for every individual. Altitude yeah. affects us all slightly differently, and that's the real challenge. Yeah. The truth is that the fitter you are, the better you will perform at altitude. So. Yeah. Um, there's two things about altitude that often get said. One is it doesn't matter how fit you are, anyone can get altitude sickness. That's true. Yeah. The other thing is that the more fit you are, the less likely it is to happen because yeah. you're more likely to get altitude sickness if you overexert yourself because that means you're getting fatigued, you're likely going to dehydrate, yeah. um, or certainly you're going to be moving too fast to recover overnight. And then altitude in the mix as well, it all goes a bit south. If you've got a decent level of physical fitness, then that means that you're not overexerting yourself, you're walking well within your capability, you're not over, you know, tired at the end of the day, you recover well and you can hydrate well. Yeah. So those things are, too, are true. What does fit mean? Well, it's different for everybody. You don't need to be a marathon runner, you don't have to yeah. be a triathlete. Um, we simply say get out in the hills, do as much training as you can to build some strength and endurance in the legs. You'll know the difference because once you've been walking for a week or two, you'll feel much stronger in your legs. After a month or two, you'll feel like Superman. Um, and yeah, that's what that's what we recommend. From if you want an in-depth um, like training plan or anything, just drop yeah. us a message and we can help you with that. Great stuff. Um, just to kind of drop in as well, um, uh, especially for some of our kind of Evertrekker veterans. Normally, um, 
what we kind of do with trips is that we, especially over the last kind of few years, um, especially during COVID, um, you know, we, we kind of drip feed trips that we wanted to um, kind of test and release. Um, really exciting news. We have got some more new trips um, that are actually going live today. Um, now, I know today we obviously have talked about, um, uh, you know, Machu Picchu a lot, but there are some other new trips. Um, we will be sending everyone um, kind of an email about this and be posting uh, in the group as well. Um, but do you know how many new trips we got? Is it five? No. Nope. Is it four? No. Nope. Is it six? No. Nope. It was five. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I was waiting for the one then, and I was like going to count up. Oh, we were, oh did, like, you, did you want me to count up? Dramatic. Okay, Never okay. We, we could, uh, do, you, do you know how many trips we got? One? No. Nope. Two? No. More than two? More than two. Four? Almost. It's five, isn't it? It is five. Wow! That's what I should have played out first time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have. We got. Um, yeah, we got five new trips that actually um, will be on the website um, are ready today. So yeah, after this, we'll be um, uh, dropping out information. Um, yeah, we got some dates on there that are ready to rock. We're really excited. Little teaser. They're not. Uh, only one of them's in Peru. Guess where the other ones are, Dave? Are they in Brecon? No. We're doing the no thing again, okay? <laughs> Are they in Russia? Thank God, no. Okay, Nepal? Yes. What? There's some new ones There's in Nepal. There's some new ones in Nepal, awesome. Some Do you know what, though? I've been to Nepal quite a lot. I actually want to explore Africa. Then... Thank God you are. Is, is there one in Africa <laughs> as well? Amazing. There is, yes, there will be. There is um, There's actually a trek in Uganda um, yeah. that we'll actually release in as well, and another one in... So we got three new ones in Nepal, um, which is fantastic, because Nepal is such a great country to trek. Um, and we've also got uh, one in Peru and one in Uganda. So that's five that are releasing today. Um, it is actually the most we've ever released in, in one single time since the beginning. So yeah, it's a bit nuts. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah and I know to a lot of our Evertrackers that have been around uh, the community for a while, uh, is a lot of trips, but um, we'll be sharing those uh, that information very, very soon. Yeah. Uh, Karen Bardet has said, um, exciting news, but how am I going to afford them all? <laughs> I know, well, this is it, isn't it? Um, um, well, well, you know, we, we've got dates, uh, some of them into 2026. So yeah, hopefully um, they're a little bit of a, achievable. So my suggestion, um, Karen Bardet, would be to um, just book one at a time. You know, do, do <laughs> yeah, exactly, one, yeah, and yeah. then once you finish that one, then book another one. And then it's very right. manageable then, bite-sized exactly. chunks. Exactly. Right, let's finish off questions. We've got about another sort of 10, 15 minutes, so <laughs> keep, the, um, uh, keep firing uh, the questions to us, um, even if it's about the new ones, no worries. Uh, so let's have a little look. Peter, Peter Morali, uh, how, uh, has the area, um, obviously talking about uh, Machu Picchu, become commercialised, or is it still wild and nature? Yeah, good, really good question. And, and Peter, yeah, just to be kind of true for you, you know, unfortunately, it, you know, it's not the kind of remote jungle that it once was, you know, it is, it, it is uh, you know, has been found. Um, and this means, no, not... <laughs> I was going to say, is it? Well, I, I, sorry if that came across. We've got well. machetes, like, cutting it down. You know? <laughs> um, what I meant was, is that, you know, because of the, the infrastructure's there now, um, you know, and, and it's because it's well-known, um, you know, I wouldn't say it's like I've been to some really commercialized places, you know, in Europe, Asia, um, Nepal not being one of them. Um, and it's not like that at all. It's, it's still you still get the feeling of that remoteness, especially because the local authorities look after it. They want to keep it that way. 
Um, so especially the Citadel and the trails, they're really well looked after. Awesome. So you've, you've got that feeling of remoteness, like you do in a lot of places. Um, you know, it is very, very, very special place. Awesome. Hope that came across all right, mate. Um, Josh Talbot has asked, what's the food like on Kilimanjaro? Um, honestly, very good. Every single person that I know that has done Kilimanjaro with us has come back and said, wow, the food, how was I supposed to eat it all? Um, like, you have way more than <laughs> yeah. you can eat. I'll be honest, it is catered towards sort of Western tastes because it's important that you keep eating. Um, so, you know, there's like chicken, there's fries. I'm pretty sure we had a pizza one day. Um, we did. We you did know, pizza, and yeah, for yeah, breakfast, yeah. there's lots of porridge, pancakes, um, like little sausages and stuff like yeah. that. We can cater for vegetarians, vegans, gluten intolerances, any other type of you know dietary requirement. Yeah. So the answer, in a nutshell, is very good. Very good. Um, great question from Andrew. Will you bump it to Harrison Ford? Um, you never know. You never know. He's um, he's been known to um, frequent some graves around there, so you never know. Uh, yeah. Uh, really good question though. Who was it? I believe. Where is this question? It was really good. Sarah Jane Hooley. Uh, really wanted to do match you next year for my fortieth. What a awesome! It's my fortieth next year as well. Uh, prove that life starts at forty. <laughs> well, hopefully it continues, right? Um, and uh, have some adventures. Has anyone done this solo? Are there groups you can join for solo travellers? Yeah, Sarah. So all of our group, all of our trips are group trips. Um, so when you go on them, you will be with other people, um, especially with Match Picchu because. You know, we do have a certain amount of numbers we, we kind of have as a minimum to run the trips. And kind of just want to put your, your mind at ease as well. I'd say like that over 50% of everyone who comes on our trips are on their own, as in they book just by themselves. Um, you know, we do get the families, we do get the groups of friends, you know, people with their partners, all that. But we get a lot of solo travellers, and actually there's more solo females than males uh, mm. coming on our trips. Girls are braver. Um, yeah, it's uh, like... You know, it, it, across all of our trips. So, yeah, um, certainly don't think that you're on your own. Um, you know, they're very safe, uh, these places. I know they're obviously far, far away. It is adventure travel, of course. Um, but, you know, with, with regards to coming solo, you're never really on your own. Uh, you know, you'll meet people. I think that's a big part of these trips is that you actually get to make lifelong friends. And um, sometimes they're the guides as well. And some of the team that you actually look after, you become friends with. And yeah. But actually, um, you know... we. We've had people meet on trips and get married. We've had people, um, especially like um, Everest Base Camp, people go there and they're with their, their group. They come back and then they all go to Killy and then they all go on other trips. Um, you know, it's absolutely fantastic. It's one of the re one of the things we really love about our trips um, is the groups and, and, and how that happens. And you know, you don't you don't get on with everyone, right? It's uh, that's just life. But you know, the type of people that come on these trips, um, you know, then they're, they're they're good people. Yeah. Um, awesome. Daniel uh, Saxon said, "How did last weekend go, and was the weather kind?" Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it was it was very interesting. Who asked that? Uh, Daniel Saxon. Was it Dan? Oh, hey Dan, so, how's it going? Yeah, last weekend went awesome, and no, <laughs> the weather's <laughs> never kind. If it's August in Wales in the middle of summer, it's raining and windy. Well, uh, and it was fine. Actually, <laughs> it was like it was like a trek in January up there. Yeah. Wind, rain, sleet cold freezing temperatures <laughs> and then when we get back to the accommodation it was um, um a mid-august uh, weekend yeah it was, it was lovely it was, it was sun was out it was warm um you know shorts and t-shirt weather absolutely loved it though. so yeah absolutely amazing if it's not raining it's not training right yeah and who, who said that originally i think it was bry i think it was mick i think it was bry back in the mick, day <laughs> and i think i think lee has said it a few times as well i yeah. think it's an army thing 
Yeah, it's definitely, definitely yeah. is, definitely is. Good questions, these though. Um, wildlife for Wigton, no name, but wildlife for Wigton. Hello. I recently read about altitude pills. Uh, is that necessary? Is a help? So yeah, you probably, excuse me, you would have heard of. Um, so altitude pills essentially is a drug um, and a pill called Diamox, uh, which is called acetylazamide, I think. It's a bit of a tongue twister. It's pretty good. Uh, I know, not bad. Eh? Um, and essentially, over the years, uh, it's been well known in the mountaineering industry, uh, especially now the trekking industry, that it's it's, it's kind of a tool. Um, it does suppress um, altitude um, symptoms. Um, you know, a lot of people see that as a good thing or a bad thing because you want to know if something's happening to you, right? But honestly, I've seen... I, I used to be on the side of the fence that, no, don't take it. You have enough water. You go slow. You're going to be fine. But I've seen literally hundreds of people, if not thousands of people, take... Diamox, and it's completely changed their trip. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute game changer. I remember my sister, uh, two days into an Everest base camp trip, and she was really struggling. She was on Diamox, fine the entire way. Now, obviously, you know, with if you've got any any underlying health conditions, it's worth chatting with medical professional about taking these kind of things. Um, Diamox was um, brought about, was it from epilepsy? Epilepsy years and ago? I think glycoma. Yeah, and they, and they, and, they um, tested it, didn't they, and it worked. I mean, there's a there's a blog about it as well, so actually yeah. if the guys can find it, um, a Diamox blog that we yes. put out about it is quite useful. It's interesting the way it works. <coughs> I mean, I'd love to know how they actually figured out that it would work for altitude sickness, you know, how that came yes, about. Yeah, that would be really interesting. But yeah, yeah essentially I think, you know, when you're going at altitude, you get more red blood cells, but that process takes about three weeks. Yeah. So we're there often less than that time, so the body likes to cheat. And so what it'll do is it'll sort of increase the ratio of red blood cells to everything else in your blood yeah. by starting this diuretic process. So when you go to altitude, even without Diamox, you pee a lot more. Yeah. Um, and then if you take Diamox, you'll start, you'll turn into a racehorse. Um, so uh, I think it just turbocharges that process. But yeah, you're right. I've seen people with their head in their hands like this. Oh, I can't go on. I can't go on. Diamox, bit of water the next morning. They're like, right, where, where are we going? Where are we going? <laughs> you know, so um, yeah, I think, yeah, why exactly. not? Um, Karen, Karen Allen, really good question. Does altitude affect you less if you've been before and how long does a gap make a difference? Hmm. So yeah, every time you go to altitude is the first time, essentially. Uh, isn't that right, Dave? Yeah. So that's one of Dave's. I said it before, yeah. <laughs> They'll giggle. Yeah. Uh, sorry, we always have these in jokes, right? Um, no, and, and but it is. Um, you know, because you, you're. I mean, the gap essentially is about two weeks. So if you went to altitude, the benefits of being at altitude kind of stays with you for a couple of weeks. Um, I remember once I went to do uh, Everest Base Camp, but a day after I got back, I did a Cardiff half marathon, and it was amazing. I was, oh my god, this is great. This is great. Fifteen kilometers in, hit a wall. But there we. <laughs> you won, didn't you? No, I did one. I won my race. That was happy. And yeah. I got around, which is which is winning for me. Um, but the point was, is that I did feel because I had um, you know extra kind of uh, you know my blood was more oxygenated. It, it you know, had more red blood cells. That meant that meant the oxygen was getting transferred around my body quicker and more efficiently. Um, it does help, but that doesn't last that long. So most people, when you go into altitude, it, you've got to do the same things that you always do, and that's drink plenty of water. Go nice and slow. Have a good acclimatization program, which have built into all of our trips. Some of our trips, um, especially the ones in Ecuador, they're a bit kind of aggressive with the altitude ascent um, because of the kind of lay of the land and, and, and you can't really get around it. Um, but most of our trips, like 99% of them, are built with acclimatization in mind. Yeah. Um, and I think even like 
other companies that that's generally how it works we do that even more in terms of like extra acclimatization days or um you know we gotta choose the longer route rather than going the quicker one um yeah just something that's really important so like i said plenty of water get your body in a good place uh, i know we touched on diamox and people do use that mm-hmm. uh, either as a kind of pre thing as if they take it from the outset or as a, a kind of reactive thing if they're getting bad they then start to take it yeah. and all of our guys do carry as well i used it on killy yeah, and it, and it helped you, right? I mean, that's yeah. a in an example for the question. Yeah. I'd done EBC four times and never needed yeah. Diamox at all. In fact, I felt great. And then when I went to Kilimanjaro, yeah. um, on the day I went up to Lava Tower, I just started feeling a bit woozy <coughs> and a bit dizzy. In retrospect, I think I probably could have rode that out yeah. because Lava Tower is a tough day, but then you go down and sleep low. So yeah. if I'd have allowed that process to continue, maybe it'd have been okay. But you know what? It's not about risk taking for me. It's about enjoying the trip, getting to the summit, and having a great experience. And if my knee was hurting, I would take ibuprofen. If I had a headache, I'd take some paracetamol. That's it, it's a tool. And if I get altituded, I will take Dymox. Altituded. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Totally, yeah. um, I know some of the team have shared on there, you might have seen the British Travel Awards link. Yeah, not spam links from us. Um, so essentially, um, uh, yeah, we've been nominated. Uh, we, we did win last year the best walking and trekking company in the UK, uh, which was awesome because it was uh, consumer voted. It's the largest mm-hmm. consumer voted awards in Europe in travel. So, yeah, we're very proud to, to win that one. Mm-hmm. But they got rid of that one <laughs> um, for some reason. Um, and this year, uh, it's the best uh, uh, adventure travel holiday company. Now, no, we don't really do holidays, but uh, we, in terms of that, uh, you know, it'd be great to win it. Um, I know there's some details rolling on the screen there, but in the link, for anyone that's been part of Evertrek uh, and the community over the last few years, you've been on a trip or you've had a great experience with us, um, would be awesome if you voted yeah. for us. That would mean so much to us um, to win that award. To win another award two years in a row would be really, really, we'd be really proud of that. And it's because it's consumer voted, it's as much our Evertrekers award as ours. Yeah. Um, you know, which is awesome as we grow and, and, and continue to um, kind of grow into, into new places in the world like we're doing now. We've got five new trips today. Um, we've got some others um, in the pipeline. Um, obviously, we we want to make sure all these trips are good uh, before they we, we just kind of throw them out there. We, we don't do that willy-nilly, um, so we want to make sure they're good first. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with the award stuff, if you have voted, fantastic. Awesome. Um, great stuff. Well, look, we've got a few more minutes. We'll, we'll, we'll tie up with some um, questions, Dave. Yeah. Um, I'm looking You're for okay. one. Uh, I, I stole for a second. Uh, okay. So you were, you were going to the Harrison Ford question. Uh, so I, I, that's exactly the first one I look at. And then I remembered, and then I remembered yeah. you did it. Um, so Andy Howie has said, having yeah. not used Diamox before, hey Andy. when you start taking it, do you need to continue for the rest of the trip? Uh, the answer is yes. Yeah. Um, so once you start taking Diamox, whether that be at the beginning or halfway up, the yeah. best course of action then is to continue until the end of the trekking. Um, the reason being is that you will feel better once you start taking Diamox. Yeah. If you then go a thousand meters higher and you're still feeling better and you think, I don't need this anymore and you stop taking it, it has the effect of just sort of immediately lowering your the rate of acclimatization. Yeah. So um, yeah, it can be quite, um, I mean, if not dangerous, it's, it's just risky. Um, altitude sickness is almost certainly going to take effect in one degree or another. So, yeah, once you start, you need to carry on until the end or at least to the same altitude where you started taking it. Lovely. So. Um, Alison Morgan, I think you've, you've asked a couple of different questions here. Right? I, I can see where, where you're getting at. Um, do you get any children in your groups? Good mm-hmm. one. And is there a minimum age of EBC? Also, maximum, it'll be my 60th. Well, firstly, 
There's definitely no maximum age. We've had people in their mid-70s go to Everest Base Camp, mm-hmm. Killy, um, on a lot of our trips. Um, what I would say with, with children, yeah, we, we've had children on our trips. Um, just a couple of examples. We had a 12-year-old, um, a 12-year-old boy with his mum on Tupcal, who summited Tupcal, um, which was absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, I remember Paula um, saying that it was actually life-changing for him. Um, we've also had um, a 15-year-old customer called Leah, um, who went to Everest Base Camp, which was absolutely fantastic. So whenever there's, um, you know, because we do get some families who want to come. Um, we were at Gone Wild Festival, which I believe is this weekend. We're not there this year, but we were there last year, and we were talking to a lot of different families. Yeah, this weekend. It is this weekend, yeah. It's oh, coming man, out big, fast. Big good, I know. Yeah, we I know. It's a, good, a shame a good year, time, but, um, You know, we always like to try these things out, and sometimes they're good. And, and, and Gone Wild is a great festival, by the way. Um, I know it's run by... Um, you know, it's run by uh, Bear Grylls and a couple of different yeah. kind of people. But it's just very, very um, good for families. Yeah, very, um, very family-friendly event. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely great, great place. Yeah, we're just not there this year. No, to but, be honest, I, I'd wait till next year, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, we might wait. <laughs> we'll yeah. um, but absolutely fantastic, because um, when it comes to families and things like that, you know, we, we, we do want to kind of encourage them and get them on trips. And if you do have a child that wants to come with you, just ask us, um, you know, we don't have a minimum age, uh, but some kids are different to others. Yeah. You know, we get some 15-year-olds that are into trekking and into hiking. We get some that definitely probably wouldn't advise taking them. But yeah. you'll know you'll know more about what your child is capable of than us. Yeah. Um, and it's just worth having a chat. Exactly, yeah. You know, you yeah. can take some, you know, 8-year-olds that'll fly up there and you can take yeah. some 18-year-olds that'll spit in your face if you suggest walking <laughs> to the spa. But um, uh, awesome, Trevor Bailey, how's it going? Trev, hopefully you dried hey, out from the weekend. Doing? Um, he asked, what's the name of the um, company that I got my medical kit from? So what uh, Trev's referring to is the um, Nomad. So Nomad Travel Clinic is the company that I go to to get my travel vaccinations. They do like a diarrhea kit. Um, It's £25. Um, and I would rather lose my boots than my diarrhea kit um, because that bad boy can really save you. You can always buy new boots, you can always make do, but if you get struck down with travel sickness, yeah. the Nepalese napalm, as we call it, then, um, yeah, you're in trouble. So, is yeah. that the Nomad, is it? Nomad Travel Nomad, Clinic. Yeah, yeah, Nomad yeah, Travel nice. Clinic, do a awesome. £25 uh, travel sickness kit, um, yeah. and it's got some prescription um, broad-spectrum antibiotics in there to treat stomach bugs and some other, you know, wonders. Fantastic. Um, all right, guys. Well, yeah, um, I think we've gone through a lot of the questions now. Thanks so much for, for joining us this week. Um, obviously, been great, uh, you know, um, doing the Machu Picchu winner announcement. It's nice that um, she answered, <laughs> uh, yep. which was actually quite good. Um, yeah, quite first time we, we've done that, so uh, something a little bit different, right? Um, well, first time it worked. First time it worked. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, as I said, though, we've released a lot of new trips. I know a lot of Evertrackers are on here uh, who've been on trips with us before, so definitely check those out. Um, and we'll be kind of getting getting that all, all sent over this afternoon, yeah. especially if you join the competition because we'll be sending out the runner-up prizes. Um, so, yeah, any other questions, though, do drop them in. Uh, that's what we're here for. Um, Dave, any final thoughts, mate? Uh, one thing that's popped into my head that I'm pretty sure I'll get an elbow in the ribs if I don't mention Ooh, it is on. the uh, Evertracker Rewards. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we've got the... Um, <laughs> for anybody that books a trip with Evertrek, they then become um, a member of the Evertrek of Rewards system, which yeah. is essentially this awesome referral way of getting money off your trip, helping other people go on adventures. Yeah. Honestly, I can't quite believe we got away with it. It's that good. Um, <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah. Uh, yeah, have a look at it. When you um, get booked in, 
it's it's seriously good. I mean, I think it's you know, and obviously I'm biased, <laughs> but I think it's one of the best um, you know referral schemes that you can have. You can yeah. get hundreds of pounds off your trip if not for free. Everyone else gets a benefit too. Who gets yeah. referred? It's win win. Yeah, exactly. And and I think over the years, you know, we've um, you know just chatting to other trekkers. Even this weekend, they're like, oh yeah, I recommended this person. And you know, we know people like to talk about the adventures they go on. Um, you know, and if uh, that, that that's in a good way, um, yeah, definitely join the Evertrekker Rewards because you know you do get, like Dave said, some kickback and you can yeah. get some money off your future trips, and, and sometimes that's free. Um, and every time you refer, and then they go on to book a trip, um, that does count as a as a referral um, for yourself. So yeah, awesome. So share the adventure, um, you know, share those memories, um, you know, with your friends, your family, uh, anyone you know. Um, but, but you have to register. Um, so I think they're going to drop the link into the, uh, the comments. Yeah. Um, I know we, we have been sharing it. If you do go to the Evertrek website, go to the About menu. It's in there anyway um, that you can actually, and, and the Evertrek rewards, and you can click through and you can sign up. Yeah. Um, just so we're able to track that, you know, because we've got some, some clever little data and tech that kind of works and tracks, you know, who you're referring, who you're, who you're kind of sharing with, because you get your own sharing link, and, the, and then you, you say you share that on WhatsApp to one of your friends, they then kind of book, then you get some kickback, which is yeah. awesome, right? Amazing. Um, but yeah, we'll see you next week. Have an awesome week. Awesome. Look and, out uh, your emails. I want to see John Cahill here next week. He says he's going to have to pop in more often. John, yeah. if you're not here next week, then I just might not turn up for work. <laughs> Great stuff, John. Nice to uh, nice to virtually meet you, mate. And we'll uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Here's it. It's in the link. There we go. They got it. They, they got, got it just it in, in there. time. There we go. Awesome. Uh, but bye, guys. We'll see you next time. Take it easy, guys. Bye. <laughs> I'm